Welcome to Gin and Gentlemen, with me, Eleanor Hoxted, bringing the gin. And accompanied by a hammock full of gentlemen, Catherine Curzon. Why have you brought your gentleman in a hammock this time, Catherine? Because we're off to a tropical island. We are indeed. We are off to a tropical island to celebrate the release of our new novel, The Captain and the Best Man. Indeed, to the island of San Sebastian. San Sebastian. Off the coast of Guadalupe. Yep, we should all go there. And it's um, released by Pride, and it's the fifth novel in the Captivating Captain series. Yes, that's right. And it's a little romance. Was it no fourth? Fifth? Fourth, you're right, because we've just been um, doing final edits on the fifth, so apologies, it is the fourth. Um, And it's a little holiday romance about a dashing airline pilot called Guy and his young paramour, Josh. Younger Um, paramour. Yes. And on, on like our usual setting of uh, English villages, it's set on a well, an island. As we it's just said. set on a desert island. Clearly, clearly not uh, the Isle of Wight. No, so. and it's a story about sort of getting a second chance and maybe putting right some family wrongs. Absolutely. But it gave us because we thought, what should we, what should we do a podcast about? Hmm. I was just forcing Ellen to watch the uh, general election debate, and it wasn't very exciting. No. When halfway through, I suddenly said, oh, we should do like Desert Island Discs. <laughs> so that's what we're doing. We've got a cup of tea. We've had some pizza and some wine. And we're going to be doing our Desert Island for you. We are. But only a temporary style Desert Island, because obviously I don't want to be part from Pippa. Or, of course, my husband and my cat. But only a little temporary Desert Island stay. Yeah, so not a permanent... No, so we've come up with some little categories. We're going to do four things that we would take to our desert island. And we do film, a book, some music. That's, as you'll see, that's got a little bit amorphous, that one. And a luxury. Yeah, when we say a luxury, we don't just mean, I'd like some sort of hurricane-proof tent. No, because it's not that sort (laughs) of... It's a nice desert island without a hurricane. It's not really a desert island. It's it's an island. Basically, what are you going to take on your island getaway? Bang. (laughs) Went to be partridge then. Basically, what are you going to take on your island getaway? Bosh. (laughs) So we started with film. And Eleanor, what's your film? My film is The Goonies. Yes. Classic 80s film. Classic 80s fest. Just... It's got so many wonderful elements that I love about films from that period. Uh, a bunch of kids on an adventure, on, running off, riding off on their bikes. And whenever I see a, a group of kids on bikes, I always hope that they're off on some sort of adventure. I know they're probably not, but in their heads, I think they There's are. There's a guy um, who many years ago now, actually, back at the dawn of the internet, he's recreated the entire Goonies... But in photos, but just using him and like three of his friends. Oh wow! Playing all the parts, and he lives that... in the town where it was shot, so that's what he's. Doing. Oh, that's really cool. It is. It's really cool. I love the Goonies too. It's yeah, it was one. such a good film. And then, and then when you're a bit older, you you Trust graduate the from the Goonies to the Lost Boys. Yeah, you do actually. That's yeah. actually it's, it wouldn't be nice for the same town or like the neighbourhood yeah. sound long. Yeah. Don't tell us that's wrong. We're just gonna assume it's right. <laughs> and it's got the brilliant Cindy Lauper track as well. Oh god, yes. yes. Goonies are good enough. There's a. Bob's Bob's Burgers, which is coming up later. There's a Bob's Burgers episode that's a takeoff of the Goonies, and there's a takeoff of the song at the end. Ah. And I was just saying to Rick, that's doesn't that sound like Cindy Lauper? And it is. It's Cindy Lauper doing a new ah. version of the song. So there you go. And there, but she did do a video, didn't she? That was like mm. where she meets the the Fratellis. Yes, yes, she did. <laughs> I like Cindy Lauper. Not the band, the Fratellis. Oh. <laughs> um, Rob went to see my friend. Rob went to see Cindy Lauper, and she sang part of one of the songs, "Standing on the Seat," right next to him. So oh. there you go. So he was like next to Cindy Lauper. Is she quite short? 
She is famously quite short. I'm now gonna I'm hit, gonna hit Google now and find out how what should be like six foot tall now. Yeah. Like, oh, she's not so. But short. when she's on a chair, <laughs> when she's on a chair, she's at least eight feet. One point six meters. Which What's that in? Is old woman. <laughs> Five foot, foot two ten. and a half. So oh. she's little. Yeah. Little Cindy. Quite little with a big voice. Big voice, a very very good voice. I love Cindy. Yes. When my many years ago, many years ago, many, many years ago, my car got broken into outside the cinema and I took, it was one of those where you took the stereo out, mm. you know, and all they took was an empty Cindy Lauper box, CD box, but it was a pirate box. Oh no. So it was only a colour photocopy, so the joke's on them and the CD wasn't even in it. Uh, I thought you were going to say, someone broke into my car. It was Cindy Lauper. Cindy Lauper. No, 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 please <laughs> no, don't no. sue us, Cindy Lauper. No. She didn't break into my car. <laughs> she didn't. So... Uh, what's you, what film would you take, Catherine? I, I would think about this a lot because I've got lots of favourite films. Yes. <laughs> lots and lots of favourite films. And my initial go-to is usually North by Northwest because I mm. love North by Northwest. Mm. But I've gone for another one people know that I love, which is Top Secret. Ah. Again, an 80s first. Yes. Absolutely. But often, like, I think, set aside in favour of Airplane. Yeah. yeah. But Airplane is great. Mm. But Top Secret, for me, has got the edge. I think it's absolutely hilarious. This... I've seen it too many times, but there's stuff in it even now that, I, like, when I watch it, I just laugh so hard. It's like, I'm going to have to get up and yeah. walk around. Do you know what I mean? I absolutely love it. I love Top Secret. And who's who? One of, who's one of the people in it? Val Kilmer's in it. <laughs> Peter Cushing. Um, <laughs> do you know what you're getting at? Uh, oh, wait. Is, Hang on. Oh, I can't think of his name. Oh, oh that other guy. He, he doesn't have his shirt on for much of it. Yeah, yeah, I can't think of his name. Some guy without his shirt on. Oh, I don't. Oh, um. All right, Christopher Villa's in it. All right, all right. But he's too young in that for me. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Just to put this perspective, I, as you may know, if you listen to podcast, you know that I like an older man. And at the time when I was watching Top Secret, my crush, my first crush that I can remember, was actually on. um, Harold Ramis. Oh, yeah. Egon. Because Ghostbusters is another on that shortlist. Oh, that's... Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I don't think I'd choose just one. Oh. But if I... For my... For this getaway, I'll choose Top Secret. Top Secret. Just because the bit when he... The latrine line, just... It's no... Just just watch it. It's hilarious. Because cause Catherine said to me, well, have you seen Top Secret? And I was like, no, I don't think I've seen that. And then, and then when I sort of started watching clips, and I suddenly recognised every... Oh, Everybody with Top I Secret thinks they it. haven't seen it. Yeah. And then they watch clips, and they go, yeah. wait a minute. I've watched the bit where they have the book called... Um, what's he called? Chocolat Show or something. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Chocolate Mousse. Chocolate Mousse. <laughs> it's just, like, Chocolate it's just so Because they're all like things like Latrine and Chocolate yeah. Deja, And Deja Vu, haven't I seen you somewhere before? <laughs> Which is the really sad thing the other day. Um, I had a bit. I had a bit from. I had an earworm from um, Airplane, and it was a bit where Ethel Merman turns up. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I love about that is the character who's in the air traffic control. Whenever he's like, I picked the wrong day to go. At the first, it's like pot, and then the end, he's yeah. like, I picked up the wrong day to give up heroin. <laughs> and then at the end, when he's just like floating in the Oh god, there's one of those podcasts where it's just people laughing at their own joke. So yes, <laughs> Top Secret and the Goonies, that would be an awesome fest. That would be, yeah, that would be fun. Eleanor, choose your book. Book, oh, I had a, I was stuck here with this because I often just say, oh, I like Jane Eyre. And then I thought, well, it's, it's, I am very fond of Jane Eyre. I really like the book. Over and over again. But exactly, over and, and over again. Island. Probably not. So I thought I would much rather have the collected works of M.R. James. So that's got nothing to do with the... I love M.R. James. Yeah. I went through a phase where I kept buying everybody M.R. James. 
M.R. James was a he was an academic, uh, an antiquarian, and his work on medieval manuscripts and things fed into ghost stories that he used to write for people, and he used to read them out um, to scholars and people on um, Christmas Eve. At Christmas, yeah. So um, it became quite a thing and his stories ended up being made by the BBC so that it would be a ghost story for Christmas mm. and they'd make uh, like the stools of Barchester Cathedral mm. has Robert Hardy in it mm. it was a very uh, really good performance and yeah uh, but of course I'm talking about the books but the books are just brilliant they have like funny little jokes in them but then the things that happen in them are just terrifying but terrifying in a way that's not Always, it, 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 there is a bit of gore in his books, but not often. No, it's sometimes just terrifying, yeah. isn't it? The um, I think he captures really well that inevitability thing. So, mm. you know, at the end of Count, Count Magnus, the two figures on the road, and it's like the tall figure and the short figure, and that they kind of like just keep appearing. And mm. it's not a spoiler to tell you this yeah. because it's referenced throughout, and it just has this real. This inevitable thing that you don't actually see what happens because it happens after the story ends, but you know something really bad's going to happen. Yeah, sure. And he's perhaps most famous, I think, Casting the Runes, mm-hmm. which became, of course, the brilliant Night of the Demon. Mm. Um, just so good. Yeah, and, and so also good. like um, A Whist and I'll Come to You, oh, yeah. which is absolutely terrifying. Who is this who is coming? <laughs> and, the, and the one with the crowns. Oh, God, oh. yes. And because I'm from East Anglia, a lot of the landscapes that he describes, they're kind of like the places I grew up with, so it's like quite terrifying. Do you know? Do you know the story he ever told about the one time he thought maybe he'd seen out? Oh girl? yes, yeah. Because he always said he was always quite, he was basically undecided, I mm. think. And then on one occasion, he said, didn't he? he was walking in a garden, and mm. there was a, it was a walled garden. And apologies if I'm misremembering this because I'm doing it from memory. But there was a gate, and on the gate there was a little knot hole, yeah. and that he saw an eye looking at him, yes. and there was something oh. about it that just seized him, and yeah. he went over the gate and opened. There was no one there, and he said, "In the he said, well, you know, it was a, a wood beyond, so someone yeah. could just walk through the trees.' But it's that thing of being looked at. Yeah, well, there's that really creepy one he did that starts off. I think it was when he was because he was he worked at Eton at one point, and it, 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 it starts off Eton, then went mm. to. Cambridge yeah yeah, and it starts off with uh, this boy who's like awful and actually he does it in a jokey way but he kind of like basically this boy actually kills another boy in a swimming contest it's, it's, he's basically like he's a horrible boy yeah and they, they they go on a school trip and they're told like this old local, local yokel says oh no don't don't go into the don't go into the trees but the naughty boy decides he will go anyway and then he's basically killed horribly by ghosts and then becomes a ghost with the creepy ghost it's really scary it's, um, you know yeah. the archers is doing a bundle on mr james at the moment well yeah because they're um I've, I, just, I go through phases with the artists. I won't just do it for literally a year, and then suddenly I'm like, must listen to the artists. But at the moment, they, they're going to do a ghost a ghost play at Christmas, uh, and they had a whole like little Mr. James primer, which I was listening to, and I was like, yes, Mr. James. <laughs> and they talked about the Mr. James test, which is like reading the story with your back to an open door with the light of a candle, and you know. <gasps> so yeah, Mr. James. Oh, I love Mr. James. And, and it's so and it's so interesting. I find him he's quite interesting mm. as well in a way. Like when he found out um, from some documents he was looking at um they worked out where a load of bishops were buried at the cathedral mm, mm. Or, the, or the old abbey in bury st edmunds and then when they dug them up they were like in like a line mm. <laughs> and i think if there's lots and lots of very affordable editions of james mm. available oh, but yeah. i am very lucky because i am one of i think 500 people in the world 
the owner copy of A Pleasing Terror, which was Ashtree Press, oh gosh, 15 years ago, put together a collection of all of James's work and it includes um, the play that he wrote, The Five Mm. Jars, some very rare stuff. You can get it on ebook now, very very affordably. But it's an absolutely gorgeous... If you ever get a chance to get an actual copy of the hardback, it'll cost you a fortune. Mm. I didn't pay a fortune. I got it at a good price (laughs) because I live in Yorkshire. But it's beautiful. And it's worth getting probably on ebook too because it's just got so much rich material in it. Mm. Pleasing Terror, absolutely brilliant. And it's not sponsored, it's just good. Yeah. That's what I'm telling you more. Is is it illustrated, that one? Dead air. (laughs) That is a crime. I can't remember now because I've got quite a lot of images. Oh, but... It's only in the other room, but I can't go and get it. Yeah, because there's one that I've seen. I haven't, I haven't got an illustrated one, but I saw a picture from one of the illustrated ones that was from Whistle, and it's really scary. I think it has some illustrations in it, yeah. yeah. It's absolutely beautiful. It's a, just a beautiful... I mean, their books are beautifully produced. Yeah. But I'll tell you the little story to get this, actually. I really wanted a copy, and it was kind of probably longer than 15 years ago, if I'm honest. Um, it was the year it came out. I don't know what that is, but... Rang around loads of shops because obviously it's a shop, it's a publisher in Canada, mm. very um, rare book. And the year it came out, it rang around loads of shops, like, you know, all mm. over the country. Um, couldn't get one. And because we got a list of where it was supplied by, um, from the publisher, uh, oh, the date online is for the ebook, which is wrong, from the publisher. But, mm. <gasps> which is looking at what it costs. I paid £45 for mine, you can now get it for 700 But Goodness we rang me. the last bookshop on the list and they said, Oh, no, we haven't got it, but we've got a copy somewhere in inventory, can't find it. And when they rang us back and found, you know what they were doing with it? It was in a box. It was being used as a doorstop. Oh, no! So the book was in mixed condition. It was bubble-wrapped in the box. Oh. And they, so we got it. So it's absolutely beautiful. There's something almost a bit Jamesian about that as well, though, Yeah, we there? found it. Like in finding a... a manuscript. We yeah, found it. It was probably open it. a door. But it's a beautiful book. I mean, I'm just looking at the ebook now. Yeah, there's loads and loads of stories and things. There is, there. and there's loads of notes with this as well. So this, yeah. it's fantastic. And he did, I mean, he's, he's influenced a lot of people like like um, mm. Stephen King, um, who who's a big fan of his as well. So just tried to find when it came out, two thousand and one. So eighteen years ago, Ooh. eighteen Ooh. years. Ago. But apparently, someone here says there are mistakes in the Kindle version. I don't know about that. Because well. <laughs> I'm lucky enough to have the hardback. Is that me. cover from the Tractate Middles? Yes. Yes. With the cobwebby eyes. Yeah. Ooh. Yes. Yeah, so there we go. Yeah, there we go. So, Catherine, what what book would you take? It's the one I always pick. It's no surprise. <laughs> it's Tristram Shandy. Yes. Absolutely love Tristram Shandy. Don't get me on this because I will talk on this. Tristram Shandy was written in the 18th century. It was written in a series of volumes by the wonderful Lawrence Stern, and it is crazy. It's mm. stories that go off. They just end. They go off kilter. They mm. ch- there's page, a black page, a marble page. It's it's basically the story of someone's life, but it's as if he's telling you it. Mm. So he'll get he'll digress but the reason I particularly love it is because anyone that has read my stuff knows that my granddad was a storyteller mm-hmm. and it's very like her granddad's story yeah. so he starts to tell you a story and then two hours later you've you've never heard that first story because you're on to something else and it is a very big book mm. but it really if it's a big book it's not an easy read but it really mm. rewards it and bizarrely there's also a comic book version which is absolutely fabulous. Now, let me just see if I can find who that's by. Oh, there we go. Oh, Martin Rosen, oh. Um, who is known as, I won't say The Guardian, but Podge is not, political, um, oh, political caricaturist. Yeah. yeah. But it's fantastic. Um, 
I, I, I just don't know. It's hard to describe mm. if you haven't read it. It's very hard to describe. But it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because it's from it's from the 1700s. The novel is kind of being developed, but no one's quite settled on a way of doing it. And it's quite yeah. fun because even at that point yeah. where what a novel is, is still quite a unstable concept. Yeah. He's actually creating a kind of postmodern novel. Yeah, and way, actually, because he? he starts to say it's going to be the story of Tristram Shandy's life, mm. and Tristram is telling you his life, but he doesn't get on to his birth until a couple of three volumes in. And when you get to the end of it, you actually learn virtually nothing about his yeah. life because he just peoples it with these amazing characters and it's so beautifully written it feels like it's real mm. so it feels like somebody and as Eleanor says because the novel was still being developed as a, mm. so this feels it feels like someone telling you the life story mm. which is amazing yeah. it's you know it's absolutely brilliant and what I will say is it's not something that you know some books you can read but you can kind of half read mm. you can't really do that with this because otherwise you'll get five pages on and you'll be like what? <laughs> go all the way back again what's going on? and it's absolutely brilliant mm. and it's it's you know it, it, a lot of it as well there's a lot of Tristram's fortune hinges on his nose that he's when he's being born <laughs> they grab his nose with the forceps and like pull it and he gets convinced. I think it's his father who tells him that having a big nose is the key to a successful life. <laughs> and it's just a strange but brilliant story. I, it's, I don't know how to describe it. I'm doing a terrible job of it. But it's no surprise, is it, that Lawrence Stern also had a big nose? <laughs> and he lived at Shandy Hall. He did live at Shandy Hall, yeah. Is, so what came... Did he name the book after? Is that where he got the name for the character or he named the house after his... His creation. I think he named the how. I think basically, um, I don't know. I think I'm guessing that Tristram Shandy kind of paid for the Renaults on Shandy Hall. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. But you can go and visit Shandy Hall now. Um, it's not. Well, it's not too far from where we are now. It's it's not uh, close, yeah. but it's not you know the end of the end of the country. But um, the film made of it is Cock and Bull Story. Cock and Bull Story. Steve yeah. Coogan. Yeah. And it's a very strange film. And when we started watching it. Again, it's very hard. If you haven't seen it, it's about actors making a film of Tristram Shandy. Mm. So they're doing it like a kind of meta yeah. And when I started watching it, I was like, no, no. <laughs> but then as I watched it, it became, to me anyway, and I know mm. it's quite divisive, it felt like the only way you could really adapt I that think book. So. Because yeah. they've basically taken that book style mm. and made it modernised. Not modernised, you still do see 18th century stuff. Yeah. But they've almost gone, this would. This is Tristram Shandy telling Tristram Shandy's story that yeah. Lawrence Stern wrote. Yeah. Because in a way, it's a bit like the way they did French Lieutenant's Woman, isn't it? Where mm. you, they show you the making the film. Because, again, that's a postmodern novel. Mm. But it's a 20th century um, thing, isn't it? With like the footnotes and everything. Yeah. There's a bit, there is a, even though it's a serious book, in a sense, it's has, it has a bit of Shandy in it, mm. perhaps. And I think what's... Um, when I do my um, little On This Days, you'll see on Twitter and things like mm. that. Whenever I do Lawrence Stone, which I always do because I love Lawrence Stone, he was completely unapologetic that he really wanted to be rich and famous. Oh. And he said, um, the quote that I like to use is he said, I didn't write to I didn't write to be read, I wrote to be famous. <laughs> which I just think is brilliant because you know you go, Oh no, no, I, you know, it's important the craft. But he was like, I want to be famous. See, these days he'd just be hovering over the Zamadans of that, wouldn't he? And here we are, like two hundred and mm. you know, not quite three centuries, but two hundred and forty oddish years since he died. Yeah. We're still talking about him. Yeah, so Absolutely he got his wish. Guy. He did. He got his wish. So, on to our next category. Eleanor, 
La musique. La musique. Yeah, I was I was trying to I was trying to think of what to pick here. I was thinking I was trying to choose an album by Suede. Then I was trying to choose an album by David Bowie and I thought David Bowie's low, I don't know. And then I just oh. thought Hello. Oh David Bowie. Yes. Uh, or the the one he did uh, one of his more very, very recent ones as well, I really like. But um in the end I thought, do you know what? I think I'll just take some Chopin. You bring in some culture. Yeah, I mean, I I just really like Chopin. Yeah, culture. I know. I I, there's there's a very nice uh, collection of of all of his piano work. That's it's just lovely, and and some of the some of the music he does is just, it's it's very relaxing. Some of it's a bit you know that's got that sort of underlying sense of threat. Some of it is um and quite lively, and I think there's just there's just there's a lot going on, and even within the music, even though bearing in mind it is just one person playing a piano. There's so many layers to it that it's just wonderful to listen to. And I thought if I was stuck on a desert island, I think I'd be quite happy with that. Chopin. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. That's nice, actually. I like a Chopin. <clears throat> yeah, I or like that. The, when I, I worked in a building that had a, uh, a concert hall in it and you could buy a, like a, a pile of post-it notes that said um, Chopin list. <laughs> yeah, so. But I'm Tish. <laughs> exactly. Uh, anyway, so that, that's that's what I would I would take. Also, actually, in in our previous podcast, we did mention Endeavour, and there is an episode of Endeavour that is ba- it's based around one of Chopin's nocturnes. There you go. There you go. It's it's an episode called Nocturne, and there's a music box that plays. I wonder how long you took him to think of that? Plays his Nocturne title. Hmm? I wonder how long you took him to think of that. Yeah, I don't know how they thought of that. I suppose, I suppose someone went. What about Chopin List? And someone went, no, that's, no. that's a bit cheesy. What no. about Nocturne? That's better. That's that's a that's a quite a good one because it's like um, he solves Chopin board, he, Chopin vegetables. He he sh- he sh- he, sh- he solves like a contemporary murder, but then he he solves a Victorian one at the same time. So oh, nice! It's really good, really, really good. Nice, good episode. And obviously, Roger Allen goes about in a fedora, looking rumpled. So, I wouldn't yeah. know anything about Roger Allen. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have any interest in that. <laughs> <laughs> none, none at all. Um, no. So, uh, Catherine, what music would you take? I, I, mean, I suppose I suppose it goes without saying. There's some sort of record player slash CD player. Yeah, yeah USB. So I had an I had one that I was going to say, which was like an '80s compilation. Yeah. But I immediately while we were talking, I've changed it. Ooh. But I've changed it twice. I was then going to say no. What I want is a complete recording of every word of Les Misérables, but made up of like a Frankenstein of all my favourite bits. Because when you're into a musical, obviously there's hundreds of casts now. Yeah. So I'd be like, I'll have Patti LuPone's version of this and I'll have so-and-so's version of that and another one version of that and just Frankenstein it all together. But what I'm actually going to have is the very best Rambling Sid Rumpo. Oh. Do you know Rambling Sid Rumpo? Are you familiar with him? He's a folk singer character played by Kenneth Williams. Oh, yes. And when I was at... Oh, the French... It's not French. No, he talks like that. I love my dearies. Oh, that's the one. Yeah. So yeah, I, you're I thinking of Crepe Suzette. That's Crepe Suzette. I'm a Kenneth Williams stan, as you know. Yeah. But when I was a kid, my granddad used to sing uh, Rambling Sid Rumpo songs to me. And <laughs> what he sings is basically, imagine a kind of like um, folk singer. And I think I saw him once and he wore like a little Robin Hood hat with a feather and, you know, like little booties. And he strummed <laughs> like a lute. <laughs> but he sings these songs that... They're nonsense songs, but they sound like they could be filthy. But oh, they're not. Yes. 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They're not at all. And it's like the ballad of the Wogglers Mooley and things. Like <laughs> and he uses all these words like, you know, like grusset and things like that. <laughs> and, you know, the ballad of the Wogglers Mooley is featuring the heartbreaking Chiswick flow and things like Chiswick that. <laughs> and who sneers at her lover's gander bag. <laughs> <laughs> no, she sneers at his cord wangle, sorry. His cord wangle. But she's got, as he says, fine gander parts. <laughs> and it's all that kind of thing. And I know them all ridiculously by heart, but I never, ever tire of it. And no matter how, if you've had a bad day, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It just, it peps me right up. See, now, see, now I'm thinking of... Um, no, you can't now. You've said it. Yeah, no, I'm thinking now of the Vic Reeves album. You know, because oh, they I did... will cure you. Yeah, yeah. Because there is a comedy folk song on that, and it says yeah. something about you melt it's with the buttons on my cookie. Seventy-five. That's it. I was your husband, and I was your wife. Yeah. <laughs> we gazed in wonder as Frampton came alive. <laughs> you know the... In the <laughs> summer of seventy-five. Oh, 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 oh. Depending on what mood I'm in as well, his his version of Born Free makes me cry. I love that. I it's love so moving. I've, I've got that on seven inch. Vic Reeves never puts a foot wrong for me. Yeah. I just think he's br- I love Vic Reeves. When um when I went flew to Bar- I went to Barcelona and I flew obviously did walk and um well, yeah. <laughs> and I and I had that on my I was I had that I was listening to it on the plane and I kept laughing. <laughs> Some people sitting around me like that woman keeps laughing. My friend Sandra <laughs> went to see um Big Night Out being filmed. Oh, and her sister Sarah couldn't go because she was ill and she was crying because she couldn't go. Oh no! And afterwards Sandra got to meet Mick and Bob like at a meet and greet. And they signed a picture and then Bob wrote on it to cry in Sister Sarah from Bob, lots of love. And Vic drew little tears on the, his bit of the photo like he was crying. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, yeah so, so Rambling Sid Rumpo, not quite a Chopin. But go online, check out, or go online, you're online, aren't you? Listen to this. Check out Rambling Sid Rumpo, Kenneth Williams and... Oh, enjoy. <laughs> enjoy, you're going to love it. Particularly, do you Ken Jim Pubes? Which is one of my favourite. Do you Ken Jim Pubes? A great folk <laughs> song. You get nothing but culture on here. Tell you. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm sitting here in my cardigan with a hole in it, telling you about Rambling Sid Rumper. And the last of our categories is a luxury in, because I wanted to have my little dog, but I'm not allowed to, because it has to be an inanimate luxury. Yeah. So there you go. So, Eleanor, what's your inanimate luxury? Oh, greaty. Loose leaf. Oh, greaty. Uh, How are you going to brew it? With my infusible. How are well, you going to brew it? Because my my hurricane-proof tent has a kettle in it because I'm British. <laughs> then, that, then that's your luxury. No! no! Your luxury is a hurricane-proof tent. No! Yes, well, I don't make the rules. I just push them on you. Well, can I, well actually, to be honest, though, I, I have a very nice uh, uh, tin of tea. And even just really open it, the smell is gorgeous. Do you know, I love tea, but Earl Grey, I cannot. Do you not? I cannot with Earl Grey. I just cannot. It's just, it catches me by surprise every time. I'm like, no! Yeah, I, I worked with a woman once who... I brought my own tea bags into work and I was sitting there making my own cup of tea and our desks faced each other and then she suddenly just started going, oh, That's a bit rude, isn't it? Yeah, this woman who... She started making sort of sick noises as, <laughs> I, <laughs> as I made my tea. And I thought... She said, oh, I can't stand the smell of that thing. Oh, I don't like that stuff at all. It's like, I'm not forcing you to drink you it. You know, my grandma used to call actually rifting. I'm rifting. My grandma was a rifter. So it didn't take much and she'd be going like, hmm. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. So your luxury is some tea. It's nice. I like tea, too. <coughs> possibly, possibly a cough sweet. Possibly <laughs> a cough sweet, yeah. So, Catherine, what's your luxury? I've been more cunning than you. 
So you can't call me out on batteries. I'm going to have a solar-powered airband radio. Oh! What if it's cloudy? Cloudy all day, every day, is it? (laughs) So I will be listening to the planes, which I do anyway, and listening and enjoying with my solar-powered airband radio and just chilling with my book and my rambling Sid and my airband radio. See, this kind of... Because I'm thinking, you know, it's trapped on a desert island or just... Having a holiday. <laughs> it's just having a holiday, I think. Yeah. But somewhere where there's no Wi-Fi or, you know. <gasps> and also, the, 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 the chaps... Oh, God, yeah. The, the chaps on the airband radio did partly contribute to the creation of Captain Guy Collingwood. They did. Captain Guy Captain Collingwood. and the best man. They did. I, I sort of built from the ground up my ideal pilot. <laughs> because that's the fun of being a writer. You can go, this Absolutely. is what I want. I'll take that little bit of that and that little bit of that and I'll take that guy that got sent back to the stands eight times at 6am because yes sometimes I am up the runway at 6am what of it (laughs) and still reacted with grace and good humour after being sent out and back eight times and we'll do all that we'll put it together in a lovely silver foxes bundle oh yes and we'll all enjoy that I'm sure so yeah that did partially inspire actually plane spotting Mm. um, which is a hobby of mine as most people probably (laughs) know the uh, the waving with the Yes. The big chunky watches on the mm. muscly wrist. Yes. I'd like a muscly wrist. Muscly wrist. I don't muscly wrist. Sculpted. The, the, yes, the sculpted forearm. Mm. I'm just thinking of a muscly wrist. Ooh. Muscly wrist. It's really weird. I mean, like, we're like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Ooh, that's really... No. Ooh, that's making me want to rift a muscly wrist. But yes, a nice, a nice uh, well, well-formed forearm <laughs> wearing a nice watch. <laughs> what? Honestly, you know, as a woman, you can't be into anything without people thinking something rude about it. No. Just because I like to plane spot, what of it? But I do, I do quite like it when, when you have your pictures and you go, look at this plane and look at that arm that you look can see where he's arm waving. waving. And I kind of sort of go, mmm. <laughs> but it's also that thing of going, oh, no, they were definitely waving to the kids. Wait, I was the only one there. Yeah. I think sometimes maybe it's just a bit of a, it'll be like a trigger response because they didn't know it was up there no but sometimes the best is you you know that photo i've got with um it's a plane flying over home there's a little kid waving and she's waving so hard she's only on one foot and it's just a really nice face there's a lot of movement in it and the kids absolutely love it and when the pilots do wave and the captains they just love it they get really into it and obviously um as eleanor knows i i sort of accidentally befriended a first officer oh yeah that i was i was sat watching the planes and he kept looking at me funny i was what's he looking at and then it turned out he was a first officer and he wanted to know if i had any photos of the plane he was on and oh. I didn't, but then the next week I got photos of the plane that he was. He did the takeoff, and he'd given me his email address, so I sent them to him, and he was super chuffed. So, oh, there you go. Oh, that's really nice. It was really nice. And when's he going to give you a free, free go on a plane? Free go on a free go on a plane. But he was. He was. I won't say obviously which airline he's with because I don't know. Yeah, you know, but he absolutely was an amazing ambassador for his airline. Loved his airline. Oh, and just yeah, just a fantastic. You know, somebody who's just so passionate and loves what he does, and just. Yeah, really good ambassador, and I was, and he started as a baggage handler, baggage loader, wow, and ended up as a pilot. He got onto a training scheme with the company that will remain nameless, and now he's a first officer, and he's training for captain. So well done to George, whose surname will remain unsaid. <laughs> and if you're listening, if you're listening, George, can we have a free ride in a plane? <laughs> you're a fantastic ambassador for the airline that will be unnamed. It is, it is funny because I, I went with you to the airport you did and it was it was chucking it down with rain and then I got out the car when the plane was taking off because they were taking off right over our heads yeah and it's so exciting because they're very low over your head and you can mm. see the the wheels 
going in. Yeah, you can. Like folding in underneath. It's amazing. Well, you've seen that because you've seen some of the photos that I take, mm. and you can get. And I don't mean, that, but you can get some really, really good photos mm. with a. You know, I've got a relatively decent camera. It doesn't cost a fortune, but it's a nice mm. camera. Mm. And the difference between that and a mobile phone camera is like a, yeah. a world apart. Yeah, and it just. It's lovely, like you get, you just get some nice pictures and the, like I said, the sense of movement. Mm. And my dad, I think I said before, he used to build airplanes. He worked on airplanes and he built jetliners. So I guess mm. it's a bit in my blood, really. Mm. But yeah, I love them. I love them. I love them. I love them. Lovely planes. Lovely planes. Lovely, lovely planes. So there you go. <laughs> oh. Think well. So, Catherine, who's putting the fizz in your gin this week? Putting the fizz in my gin this week is Tina from Bob's Burgers. <coughs> Tina Belcher. Um, I've been watching a lot of Bob's Burgers lately because it's like a comfort show, you know. Yeah. And there was one scene, if anyone watches Bob's Burgers, the scene when Tina, I can't even say it, Tina has her first driving lesson. It made me laugh so hard that I had to switch it off, get up and walk around, and I was physically in pain. <coughs> And I probably didn't stop laughing for upwards of five minutes. And then I put it on again because Rick came into the room. So I was laughing. I put it on to go show it happened again. <laughs> and I had to stop it. But it actually physically started to make me hurt from laughter. Oh, no. And also the fact is I've said to Eleanor just now that if you do watch Bob's Burger and if you don't go and have a look. When I was 13, I looked like Tina. <laughs> I looked exactly like Tina, right down to the socks. Um, <laughs> I didn't have the mad interest like in boys that she had. But I was like crazy about horses. So That's I see a lot of me and Tina, but not, I hope, the man's voice. <laughs> but she's sprint. I love her. So yeah, Tina, the fizz in my gin. Thanks, Tina. Thanks, Tina. Eleanor, who's the fizz in your gin? Oh, it's a squirrel. I know this sounds bizarre, but I did once have a squirrel. I had a bottle brush tree putting the fizz in my gin in the summer. So um, yeah, there's a squirrel um, that has its very own Instagram. It was rescued from a fire. Oh, and it has a little teddy. Shall we look at what the Instagram yes, is? Yes, let's find out what the Instagram is. Um, yeah, so it, it goes to bed at night with hugging a little little. Oh, and it really is an adorable little squirrel. We're just looking at it's it. It's so cute. Um, and it has and it wears like little outfits and stuff. The squirrel is... Oh, God. Well, this is happening, I'll tell you about another squirrel, which is a squirrel called Ricky, who Ricky lives with squirrel. a builder in England, and he rescued it, but he tried to return the squirrel to the world, but it wouldn't go. Uh, and it, like, it sits on his shoulder, it goes to work with him, yeah. and it just, just lovely. Because that's what happened here, isn't it? They couldn't they couldn't. Jill send Squirrel, them. with Jill an Instagram squirrel. account, this girl is a squirrel. So there you go. Holding a little teddy. It's, yeah. It's absolutely lovely. Oh, that's lovely. So oh. squirrels. Oh, oh there so you there go. you go. There you go. Tina and a squirrel. Tina that sounds like a Bob's Burgers episode, actually. <laughs> Tina and a squirrel. Yeah, so we all, we all like that. Out of the inkwell. Dun, dun, dun. MR James monster style. Yeah. Oh. So, out of the inkwell in terms of publication, as we know, there is The Captain and the Best Man. Yes. Which you should probably go and buy or yes. get a few Kindle Limited. Yes. Um, but also, we are having a bit of a bit of an indulgence yes. at the moment, what with it being the festivities. Yes. And we're working in a sandbox. We have set up a little sandbox for ourselves. So it's just for us to try something completely different. Yes, um, completely different, different genre. Not set in England. Nope. Not contemporary. I mean, not all our stuff is, actually. No. 
but it's completely different weather i don't know if it'll ever see publication but it's a great deal of fun but it does make us realize because it's a it's american set that's not spoiling yeah. anything it's made you keep catching yourself things like cash till yes handbag yeah <laughs> pavement no i don't think we ever had pavement have we we've had no. cash till and handbag i did have a sofa i had to change the couch did you yes and also we we had that thing with cutlery Cutlery, yes. Cutlery, yes. Cutlery. See, if, if a British person says cutlery, we mean knife, fork and spoon. No messing. No messing. Pass me the cutlery so I can eat my tea. But if you said that to an American, they would be very confused. Well, Rick said it would depend on the American. Oh, would it? Yeah, uh. but they would expect, apparently, according to my American, flatware or silverware. And when we Googled this, that, that is seemed to be the case. case. I think we've still got a cash till in there. We've still got a cash till. Oh. But yeah, so it's com- it's very very completely different, mm. and it's it's great fun. Mm. But what we're also in this difference because it obviously is a sandbox. We have no plot, no. And we was, I've said to Ellen, it actually feels like a game. So you've got like a little plot that's coming up that's just developing. That's like your main quest, mm. and there's little side quests coming up, and yeah. it's like complete this side quest, get some points. <laughs> so yeah, it's great fun. It's nice to do. It's nice to do, and it's nice to sometimes like I think take your foot off the accelerator a bit. Absolutely, because <clears throat> in case you you will notice that we have a lot of releases coming out, and oh, we have, yeah. yeah. So, shall we do a rundown of all the releases that people have to look forward to? No, let's keep them waiting. You have to keep keep you keep keep, keep you keen. Yeah, keep you keen. Because otherwise, we'll, we'll they'll be like those women are crazy. How have they got all that stuff? Because they turned to James Mason. <laughs> so yeah, do we have we've had David Bowie and James Mason? How are you, James? I'm not too bad. That's good. I like your film, James. Do you know it's one of those impressions of James Mason? Everyone thinks they can do. <laughs> I was trying to do the impression of Cary Grant for Rick, <laughs> and I just kept saying because it was one of those things where it was a game we have to do the impression of someone. Yeah. And I got Cary Grant, and I just kept going. I made movies in the sixties. He was like, "What?" And I was like, "Don't you know who I am?" <laughs> and then I actually went, "I'm Cary Grant," and he's like, "You don't say anything like Cary." <laughs> in my head, I was. Like, oh, I sound so like I, I'm Gary Grant, Judy, Judy, Judy. <laughs> and then he's like, What I sounded like was Count Arthur Strong doing an impression of Gary Grant. But have obviously, you... my James Mason is flawless. Oh, it's nice to meet you, James. Have you bought my new album? I'll get it on vinyl. <laughs> so, there you go. So, um, yes, that's it. Do you know the worst thing? We've only had one very small glass of Prosecco. <laughs> It didn't take much, did it? But we have had a lot of pizza. Yeah. Do Do you know the um the story about what happened when um David Bowie's neighbour was Roger Moore? Yeah, yeah. That's what inspired the um Stella Street. That's inspired. Oh really? This is the second time I've discussed Stella Street today. I was talking about it earlier with Anna. Ah. So there you go, Roger Moore and David Bowie. Yes, D- D- Roger Moore moved in next door to David Bowie, and he turned up and was like. Oh, hello, David. And it was uh, David Bowie was all quite. Let's do a Roger Moore impression now. Hello, David. Hello, David. <laughs> hello, David. Shake and not stirred. But he said, and so David Bowie was quite like, please, oh, this is great. Roger Moore's come around my house. Roger Moore's next door. Roger Moore's next door to me. And um, he, <laughs> and then he sort of like went. Roger Moore went through all of his anecdotes, drank lots of David Bowie's booze, and then the next night came, came around and did the same thing. And he did. He told exactly the same. Anecdotes. Do you know what Roger Moore? best night in was what he become because a great night in and i cannot argue with this beans on toast and dad's army on the telly ah. that is true that true that would, uh, would would it be classic dad's army or modern dad's army now bearing in mind who's in modern dad's army well he, he died before modern dad's army was in oh that's it. true 
But who, for you, for you, no, classic dad's army. Classic dad's who army. would choose modern dad's army for even for that casting reason? <laughs> My, right, I will say this about if you, modern dad's army, the lost episodes is what yeah. we're discussing. Yeah, and it's it's a lovely little thing, but it's. It's not Dad's Army. It is Dad's Army, but when you're watching it, you can't help go, well, that's not quite so and so. That's yes. not quite so. Where, where's John LeMessurier yeah. looking awkward? Where's John LeMessurier as well? <laughs> but it is very good. If it's the only way to see those episodes, then it's fine. Mm. But I can't imagine a world in which anyone would say, let's watch that instead of the original. I, do you know I'm a Dad's Army nut? Did you know that? Yes. I am a Dad's Army nut, so you don't want to get me on that either. Um, I went to the um, German Christmas market in town. And they had a carousel, and I was going. I was going around on the carousel, and it started playing the, the dance. Did it? Yes. <laughs> Don't I mention have, the war. In my time, been that that's forty towers. <laughs> in my time, I've been likened to Captain Mannering. <laughs> <laughs> because I like to organise. <laughs> so I've been likened to Captain Mannering just because I like to put people in order. But I don't because Captain Mannering's quite. I think he he wants to be like the one getting all the credit but I don't think that I just think that I, you know what something you're doing I'm like let's just do it yeah, yeah. and then it's done yeah my granddad loved watching Dad's Army and his reason for watching it was he said he, he, he signed up very early on at the beginning of the Second World War and he said he said it was just like Dad's Army but he was in like the actual army yeah. and they were actually driving around a bread van on there the Essex go, marshes like Dad's army. trying to defend the Thames but if so, you've never yeah. seen Dad's Army which I guess some people might not have yeah. I don't know how big it is outside of England Ooh, it's yeah. a treat Yeah, it is an absolute yeah. treat I think don't um, tell him your name, Pike. <laughs> don't tell him, Pike. Oh, that's it. Honestly, I don't want any nasty soggy chips. Rick, Rick's just appeared actually. Do you know Dad's Army? You know Dad's Army. Do they have Dad's Army in America? Would they know it? I, I didn't know it when I was there, but it may well have been I. Thank you. I may have forgotten it. <gasps> I've been shown by PBS, and I forgot. Thank you. There's a little cameo there by Rick. Cheers, Cheers Rick. <laughs> So, special guest. Special guest, Rick. Special guest for two seconds. Very distant, Rick. <laughs> so, yes, check out Dad's Army and Rumbling to Drumpo, actually. Yeah. yeah. And actually, I feel like now Dad's Army, it's like you have been watching. Yes. <laughs> so, whatever you're up to, have a lovely night. If we don't see you before Christmas, have a fantastic Christmas. Yes. And if we do, do not see you, we'll see you in 2020. Indeed, with we... a load of books. Yeah, we'll see you then. Bye. Bye. Find out more at our website curzonharksdid.co.uk and thank you purple-planet.com for the music.